everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of the LaRouche Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy and uh, with me always is the wonderful Stu Hardy and Derek Brissett. Gentlemen, we are uh, we are together once again in, the, in this new year, which has just started off with a bang. And we are starting off with a bang by having uh, one of Rugby Canada's rising stars. Uh, we have uh, Ben Lesage with us. Now, Ben has played 16 uh, games with Rugby Canada, and so far in his uh, uh, shortened season due to the pandemic, has played five games with the Toronto Arrows, has played 360 minutes, had 19 carries for 162 meters, two line breaks, and I think the big stat, Ben, and that we uh, we all appreciated was the, the 37 tackles, which was among leaders in tackles by back. And, and Derek pulled this stat out, and it's a very interesting one. 26 meters kicked. That's always just a fun little stat for for a center. Well, to be honest, I think that that's probably as surprising to to anybody who who knows my game, especially. I think centers aren't known for their kicking. Well, at least I'm not specifically. And <laughs> that's probably been one of my work on since U14. So uh, to get to get the 26 meters there, I think it actually worked out pretty well. It was in the Seattle game, so um, I patted myself on the back to get <laughs> one, one average kick that didn't, didn't wasn't a shocker in in this season. This season. So we're going to easy into the to this interview, uh, uh, Ben. How are your holidays? They were great. They were great. I was I was fortunate enough to to have a plan in place, so I was able to spend it with my family, um, and and kind of just like reach peak relaxation. So uh, it'd been kind of a whirlwind camp in in November with a lot going on. Uh, so to be able to just kind of completely relax and shut down over the holidays was uh, was much needed and and enjoyed it the downtime and kind of coming into the new year, really excited to, to get back into rugby and then all the things that, that are ahead. It's good to hear. Good to hear. Well, speaking of getting back into rugby, a question we always ask our guests is how did you first get into rugby? Sure. So yeah, I think really good question to ask most Canadians because uh, everyone has some sort of unique or different story just based on it not being like the most popular sport in our country. Um, And so for, for me, actually, kind of fortunately enough, it worked out. Rugby kind of runs in my family a little bit. So um, my grandpa helped uh, found the Barry Rugby Club in Ontario. Um, So he he was kind of first exposed to rugby by, he was a school teacher and one of his fellow teachers was an Aussie. So the two of them founded the club, I believe. My dad got into it, my dad played. Um, So I actually grew up watching my dad play old boys rugby. Um, And then my dad was my coach throughout. So I I got started quite young, like probably nine or 10 in Alberta, just by mini rugby or whatever. But in Canada, that's that's incredibly early for the most part. So by the time I hit high school and stuff, knowing how to throw a spin pass, um, put put me in a a bit of a head start, which, which worked out for me. I definitely kind of appreciative of that. And uh, do you have like, any uh, any coaches or anything that kind of helped you along the way as you made your way up to the grassroots level? Yeah, hugely so. I mean, obviously, like I, like I mentioned, my dad, my dad was there kind of every step of the way at, at each of the levels, so massively influential. And in Alberta, even though it's not seen as as this huge rugby community um, based on the, the climate as much as anything, I guess, but there is a, a dedicated like group of of coaches there, Dan Meekle, Graham Moffitt, um, who I, I kind of worked with the two of them and even my high school coaches and stuff who worked with at multiple levels on the way up and whether it's Alberta, whether it's Wolfpack. Um, and then Moff was actually 
how I got involved with U20 Canada. And then he was an assistant coach in 2016 when I got my first shot with the senior men's team. So it all kind of kind of cascaded forward and and through through those connections that I built kind of from youth rugby. So so again, worked out worked out really well for me. So, um, like you kind of mentioned earlier, or I guess toward the end of the year in November, you took part in the Rugby Canada High Performance Camp. There was yourself, a number of your Arrows teammates, and obviously all the uh, the other players from across Major League Rugby, top um, players throughout Canada. Um, what was that camp like? What was the atmosphere surrounding that camp, especially considering you guys really, for the most part, Canadians haven't really been able to uh, touch a rugby ball since uh, March? Yeah, no, to be honest, it, it, it was outstanding. Like, um, went into it with completely had no expectations going in, to be honest. And I think that was, that was the similar case for a lot of the guys we were looking at, uh, the roster, I think anyone who, who looked at it, it was pretty obvious. There's a ton of young guys, new faces, new names, um, who, I mean, that was the first time I'd met a ton of them. So there was kind of a question of like, who is even in the camp with, with such a long kind of break from rugby. It was like, well, what kind of shape are guys going to be in? Are guys can even remember how to throw a rugby ball and stuff. So like what, what sort of learning period is there going to be? So def- definitely a few question marks or kind of variables that were up in the air um, that kind of, yeah, you showed up and you're like, what are, what's going to happen. It could go a number of different ways. And I think it probably turned out as, as best as it could have been hoped for. So the young guys were like incredibly eager, incredibly hungry. First exposure to the kind of the senior men's environment. They were super eager to put their hands up and, and kind of make a case to be involved in, in the team whenever, whenever rugby does come back, whenever that next test match is. Um, and then that proved like, I think it was like, I mean, I hadn't done contact in so long and there there's this plan to ease everyone into contact. And I think like week one guys were, it was a touch, touch kind of 15 on 15 that turned into shoulder that turned into <laughs> pretty, pretty high intensity pretty quickly. So I think there's a lot of guys that had pent up animosity from, from several months and we're excited to, to finally have a platform to get out of the system again. So no, hugely um, positive is, is excellent rugby. I thought, um, and definitely kind of, Good to see those faces and some of the new coaches and stuff to just take a next step forward so that whenever that probably in the summer, I'm guessing that whenever that next opportunity to come together as a team is we're we're like one step ahead and, and a bit more seamless transition, I guess. And you know what? It's funny that you mentioned kind of that like easing into the to the the tackling. It was like the means reminds me of the leaf scrimmage that just happened last night. You know, the first period they were kind of just lightly tapping each other, and then as the game went along, uh, the guys were starting to hit each other a lot harder. And some of the guys that were kind of on the bubble really right. were kind of laying it to each other. So it's uh, it's right. fun to see that that uh, the competition started to pick up as the the camp went on. Yeah. No, I yeah, I, I mean, anytime you're at any sort of Canada camp or, I mean, professional environment as well, like it, it doesn't take a lot to motivate guys like representing your country and stuff is on the line. So um, I think you can get pretty fired up pretty quickly. And and I think just the time off and, and all sorts of things just kind of added to that environment. So it was it was good. I don't think it crossed any lines, um, but it was, it's kind of needed too, right? Like I think uh, Rugby Canada has been on, on the downs a little bit just in terms of our, our winning record and stuff and probably need a bit of scrappiness and um, some aggression to come out. And that that's probably what the, the type of mentality that'll that help us turn it around a bit. So it's good to see. Uh, you 
mentioned about the new coaches over there. One of the, well, probably the big name in terms of the coaching structure, both for Rugby Canada and the Toronto Arrows going yeah. forward, has been the signing of Rob Howley. And this was Howley's first experience of working with the uh, Canadian coaching structure. So from your personal involvement, what was it like being coached for the first time by Rob Howley? Oh, is it incredible? Like, I think um, you, you look at his, his rugby resume, both as a player and a coach, and you you can anticipate that he's going to have a lot of information to share and be a good coach. Um, and I think he, he met and surpassed that, that for sure. Um, he just, yeah, has kind of a, a, a presence to him, I guess, and, and everything he says is, is definitely applicable and stuff. Um, credit to him, I think he did a lot of prep work in advance. So, like they had they had videos in terms of our playbook and stuff, some of the attack structure that that he wanted to implement and go over. He, he put together a bunch of packages that he videoed and voice recorded in advance, so guys could could watch and show up to camp a little bit better prepared. He was zooming in from Wales. He was in quarantine in Calgary, zooming in the sessions like. He definitely went the extra mile to make sure that um, he was prepared coming into campus, existing relationship with Kingsley. I think made it a bit easier, just uh, they knew each other and then the dynamics and those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, when he, and especially as a back too, right? He's the backs coach as well as attack. So we got to work, work with him a ton and I'm excited to, to get more time with him both at Arrows and in Canada. I think the, the big principle and, and that he talks about a lot is just performing under pressure so instead of getting fancy with our attack structures and and all sorts of things as as a first base principle let's let's execute rugby skills under pressure whether that's passing whether that's kicking um, whether that's tackling um so we were we were doing a lot of kind of like drills and and trying to get skills at 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 a super high pace so probably passes regressed a little bit and, and kicking regressed and accuracy and those sorts of things but i think once we can get back to that previous level of accuracy and, and skill development with this kind of new pressure in place and emphasis on speed and uh, stuff. I think I th- think it's going to pay dividends. So I think there's a lot of buy-in and uh, excited about what's to come. Should Arrows fans expect the attack to look a little bit different in 2021 with Rob Howley's influence? Or because I mean, you guys have obviously been quite successful based on what uh, Smith, Hector, and you know Silverthorne and all the uh, the rest of the coaching staff have implemented for you. Yeah. But with, you know, having that influence of one of, you know, the best attack coaches in the world, is it is there, is there going to be a little bit of alterations to that attacking structure or? And with the turnover of, of players as well. I mean, you guys have a, have a good number of new backs that are, that are joining the, the core that you guys already have set. Yeah, no, super good questions, to be honest. I think remains to be seen probably. And um, I think it'd be nice to have a long preseason to kind of tinker and see what works and what doesn't. Um I think Pete and like Pete was actually at Pete Smith was actually at that, that camp as well. So to be honest, he was already working with, with Rob there in that setting. Um, and Phil in terms of like the, the Phil Mack, the three of them were kind of the backs coaches. So they were all getting aligned. So I don't think fundamentally there's a, a super big difference between how Pete operates and how Rob operates. So probably a few kind of adjustments potentially being made. And I think, I think Pete will probably appreciate having an extra resource to bounce ideas off of, but I think the other end, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think <laughs> arrows like in those five games, we were feeling really good about our attack structure, had some future kind of like developments in terms of where to take that. Um, and it was a lot of fun to play in. So I don't think um, there's kind of a need to overhaul the system 
either as well. So um, yeah, have, have had a great experience working with Pete and thought he, was, he is a great attacking mind, kind of first getting to know him last year. So I think having the two to bounce ideas off of each other will, will be kind of really exciting in terms of what we'll come up with to go on the field. A quick question for you, Ben. Uh, what is it like, you know, having Phil Mack now as a coach? I mean, you've been playing with him for periods of, you know, three years since your start with the senior team. What's it like now getting direction from Phil as a coach? Yeah, not to be honest, I think um, could could be weird, but I don't think it is. I think Phil has gone about it. He's done, I mean, has a good coaching resume already in terms of his work with the Seawolves. Um, and he's super professional about it. So he, uh, I mean, in the, in the lunchroom or off the training field, like definitely good friends and have, have gotten to know him really well over the past few years. But I think, I mean, he has an incredible amount of experience and I, I know I still have a lot to learn from him. So he's, uh, he's switched on into coach mode for sure. I wouldn't say any similar, like my, uh, my first couple of tours for Canada, not that I was playing much at the time, but like Carps was involved. As, as a player as well. So, I mean, he's the defense coach at, at Arrows and engaged with him. So I think that's, that's probably something that, that will continue to, to occur as, as some of these, these rugby Canada greats turn into, into coaches. And, and hopefully there's more of them cut more as well. He's a coach. My first couple of tours, he was there too. Um, so I, I think it's, it's positive for the, the Canadian kind of coaching pipeline to have these, these knowledgeable guys starting to, to give back and in, impart their wisdom and, um, yeah, I, I think I'm just kind of welcoming the, the extra advice and expertise that they, they bring to the table. Do you also had, as you mentioned, a handful of new teammates at that, um, training camp, yeah. uh, not just for Canada too, but a couple of new guys that are going to be also joining you uh, right. at heroes when you guys get going in 2021, right. uh, names like, uh, Siaki Vikilani, Adrian Wadden, Mark Antoine yeah. and Jason Higgins were all there. Yeah. Uh, who kind of impressed you or stood out amongst maybe some of the new teammates and who are some of like the guys that you think like Errol's fans are going to be uh, really excited to watch in 2021? To be honest, I think all four names you, you named were kind of like had really good camps and probably going to contribute this year. Like Mark had never met Mark before. Um, he's got these, he's a big dude, right? He's an ex football player. Uh, got to practice my French a tiny bit, trying to talk to him. He obviously speaks good English. Um, but he's, he's kind of got these like twinkle toes when he attacks the line <laughs> this, this big prop. He's, uh, he's actually surprisingly dynamic and probably missed one or two tackles on him as he, he kind of like twirled through the, twirled through the line. So I think he, he's kind of a fun runner. Uh, Jason Higgins, again, first time seeing him too, but throws a, throws a great ball, just like all the kind of base skills that you'd, you'd expect from a nine. I think he's got them on lockdown and uh, will definitely be kind of a great to just add to this this plethora of nines that we've got at, at the Arrows. Um, Wadden, I've played with him before, kind of candidate level and stuff. He's just a workhorse. He's like a mean dude that brings uh, a little edge to him, which you always need in, in the, the pack. And then um, Siaki, have, have cut cross pass him with him once or twice but he's just he's he's massive so um i think he, he runs super hard hits super hard and um definitely a guy you want on your team and not not on the other one so i think all four to be honest we'll, we'll see the field 100 this year um and and just kind of building more and more depth which is has kind of been one of our strong suits so excited to have them on board so ben i 
2020 really cut off uh, the majority of the season. So you weren't able to play against a good majority of the teams in MLR. Um, and then we also throw on the fact that we've got two new MLR teams joining uh, the league. You know, are, are there teams that you played last year that you're looking forward to playing or are some of the newer teams that you still haven't gotten taste of yet uh, you're looking forward to playing as, as an individual? You know, I mean, the the one from last year, I'd, I'd say probably would have been Colorado. Want to get some revenge? Kind of end the note on a, a sour note, but obviously you won't be able to do that this year. Um, with them gone. So probably probably the one looking forward to to start and conveniently first one on the schedule, is San Diego. I know in the past couple of years they've been kind of one of the premier teams in the league. They've been the benchmark and that that west side of the division in terms of setting the standard. Have like ton of big names and a couple of Canadian boys now, I guess, as well, um, who, yeah, I, th- I think they will be kind of like a, f- a formidable opponent as, as to be expected and, and a, a road trip to San Diego never hurts either. So I think <laughs> those two together and probably, um, one, one that I'm definitely looking forward to. I say, uh, Toronto versus San Diego, at least for the fans was kind of like, I guess fans and media were kind of building it up to be like, that's the yeah. final. Um, and we don't, we didn't get that matchup last year. Cause obviously, you know, the world collapsed. Um, but is that something that you guys kind of think about Is the, that little bit of like the, what if could have been during that season? And like, like, you know, if you, if you win that game against San Diego, is there kind of going to be like that little bit of like, see, yeah, we definitely would have been like the champions in 2020. Uh, I mean, I don't know about them specifically. I think they were definitely looking really good and probably would have been, like you said, probably the top contender, if, if not one of them. Um, I think the whole season kind of has a what if more so than just like what would that one game against San Diego have looked like? Um, like I said, I think we were just kind of finding our form minus that Colorado game, which would have been a bit of a, a nice adjustment kind of reset game. Um, and so, yeah, I think we had the team to definitely compete for the shield last year. Um, so unfortunate that that'll always be a what if, like you said, but um, that's why I think it'd be nice to test ourselves right off the, the bat this year, get that first game out of the way um, and, and think we, we definitely have a team that, that can do it again this year. So excited for it. Absolutely. And we have, I guess, kind of one more like sort of big question for you. Um, we had DTH Vandermeer on our podcast uh, just before Christmas, and we basically asked him um, who he kind of thought was going to be as he's retiring from the Canadian national team, who he thinks are going to be like the key players on the team going forward. And uh, so we're just going to play the clip of how he answered that question. And then uh, we'll just get you to uh, react to it and what your opinion on this is. Probably the person that comes up first is uh, Ben Lesage. Um, you know, obviously I played with him in this last World Cup and his World Cup was cut short with a broken hand. The kid broke his... Broke his hand in, in the first five minutes of the game and played the full game um, with a busted hand. Couldn't grip anything. He is so tough, so tough, so skillful. He's got a tank on him that can just work, work, work. Um, so I'm super excited to see where he goes. Um, you know, I don't want to, I'm not talking down on the arrows, but he is better than playing in the MLR. Like he should be playing in Europe, you know. 
So, Ben, when you hear, I guess, one of the best Canadian players ever and a guy that dominated in Europe as well, saying that, you know, maybe there's, you know, one that you you could be like kind of, I guess, the future of the Canadian national team and maybe, you know, have an outstanding professional career as well. Like, what does that mean to you to kind of hear something like that? Yeah, I mean, definitely special, definitely uh have a lot of respect for DTH and, and what he's done kind of both for Canada rugby and, and kind of European rugby. I think he, like he's a legend in, in Scotland as well. Right. So, um, kind of means, means definitely a lot and kind of appreciate his kind words. Um, yeah, no, yeah, probably, uh, I don't think he's worried about me, uh, beating his Canadian try record or, or anything <laughs> like that. It's definitely, um, I've, I've been lucky to, like I said, the past four or five years and, work with with not just dth but phil and and like you said a a ton of kind of like established vets in that canadian backline and um definitely spent the first couple years just sitting sitting underneath them and trying to absorb as much as i can and and learn from them and how they go about their practice and how they train and um how they kind of execute at such a high level in the field so um i think for him to say that is probably a reflection of, of hopefully me having helped some of what those veterans and DTH especially have some of what they've shared kind of rubbing off on me a little bit and um hope to continue passing that on as, as young guys come up through through the the team and I think yeah that's like I said not not uh, gonna score very many tries but really just kind of bring a work ethic and and a toughness to the team and um, I think uh, that's that's kind of what I pride myself in. So it's, it's nice to see as well that, that other people recognize that too, I guess. And you know what? An even bigger accolade is when he was on the Loosehead podcast, he named you to his all-earth team that had to go play the Martians to save the world. So I wow. think that that should be a feather in your cap. That's a pretty impressive uh, standard to be raised to. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to put that on my rugby resume. I mean, <laughs> start turning a few heads if I made the All Earth team for sure. But uh, no, I think definitely kind of appreciate everything that that DTH has done for me in, in my career as well. And um, definitely going to be sad to see him him go from the the national team environment because he's he's done a lot for it. Well, we're going to finish off with a little bit of fun, folks, because uh, uh, Mr. Lesage here is a, a very uh, studious young man. You know, uh, when DTH was on the show, he mentioned your education, how important it was. And and if anyone's unaware, uh, I don't know if it was during the lockdown or, or before it, but uh, Ben started a Instagram page about all the different uh, books that he read and, and kind of gave them a little, a little review and, 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 and had his friends comment on it. So it's, it's been, uh, it was fun to read it uh, when uh, all hopes seemed lost and we weren't going to get a whole lot of rugby. So what we thought that we would do is we would start our very first Luge Rugby Book Club. Well, we're all going to kind of talk about our books that we're reading right now. And uh, it's going to give you a little window into our, our psyches, which I feel when, when you show the books you're reading to people, they kind of get a little bit of you when, when you tell them. Love it. So, uh, Ben, since you are our guest, why don't you go first? What is the book that you're currently reading right now? Yeah, I'll pull, pull it off. I'll put it up here. So this is a Christmas present from my, my girlfriend. I guess it doesn't turn backward, but it's called How I Built This by Guy Raz. So I don't know if any of you have come across, um, he's got a famous podcast, how, same title, How I Built This. And that's been my favorite podcast for probably two, three, maybe even four years now. I don't know when it started, but essentially, um, 
it, he interviews um, company founders like Airbnb, Mark Cuban, Away, kind of uh, Allbirds Shoes. Honestly, any kind of big, interesting company that's been started in, in the past 10 years, probably, or even beyond, you can think of. He usually brings on these founders and just talks to them about these early stages of their career. Where did the idea come from? Uh, what challenges did that company face? How did they scale it? And uh, it's just kind of incredible the the stories in terms of where some of these some of these com- companies came from, the rejection that a lot of them worked through, um, the kind of luck that was involved in so many of them too. So um, the the book is kind of just a, an extension of that podcast. So it's kind of translating some of those common learnings or interviewing some some other different founders and, and kind of translating that into a book. So that was that was high on my Christmas list and was very uh, excited to have that come across. So just diving into it in the past few days. I'm just disappointed to learn that we are not Ben's favorite podcast. <laughs> I know it hurts a little bit. Yeah, it does. It stings. It stings a bit. Number two isn't so bad, guys. Number two. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That sounds good, though. That sounds good. Uh, I'll go next. Um, so I've got. I also got a book for Christmas. Um, it was from my wife. It is called "Before the Lights Go Out." Um, and it's by uh, Sean Fitzgerald. He is a writer for Sportsnet, and. It is a fascinating book because it talks about uh, the decline of hockey in Canada, and it talks about how um, how expensive the game has become, how elitist the game has become, how like families are finding that it's just too expensive. Uh, and it's becoming a predominantly white sport, um, and then he goes he goes into great depth, like interviewing people all throughout Canada. And, and the big part is that he follows um, my local OHL team, the Peterborough Peets around for a season to see what the dynamic is like in, in, in Peterborough is such a unique city, which he goes into detail about, but the, the Peets are ingrained in the city and the, it, it, their story of how they've been developing the last 10 years very much goes hand in hand with how hockey has been developing across Canada because he just goes into great detail about it. And it's a fantastic book. Um, I, I think it's, it's for anyone that especially Canadians that are interested in sports, it is so interesting to see where this great pastime has gone in the last 20 years. Mm. Very cool. I, I, I'm the type of person that'll buy or receive a bunch of books and <laughs> pile up until I'm like, oh, I have a big pile that I got to read. Um, my, uh, my girlfriend got me um, a bunch of the Dune books. So I guess I got to kind of work my way through that now for Christmas, especially so at least the movie, I guess the movie got delayed because of COVID now. So I got some time to dive in and you know, a little bit of time. Yeah, I can act like I knew what, you know, how, explain how the book is better than the movie and all that. Um, the other one, though, we're, you know, I wasn't necessarily going to say this because we started talking about this earlier, Dan, when uh, before Ben hopped on. Um, one of the books that I haven't actually started reading yet, but I'm super excited to read um, is this. Um, it's called A uh, Fly in a Pail of Milk by Herb Carnegie. Um, so hockey fans may uh, have heard that name before. Uh, he played in like, you know, like the original six era, but he never actually played in the NHL. Um, so he was essentially the best player 
of all time that never got a chance to play in the NHL, maybe barring a couple of those Russian guys that didn't get that chance for those political reasons too. But essentially the reason that Herb Carnegie never played in the NHL was just because of the color of his skin. And, um, you know, when I was working at the hockey hall of fame, people talked about him a lot in that high regard as being like the greatest player that never got a chance to play in the NHL. And the foreword of the book, um, is actually quite interesting. It's written by Jean Beliveau and Beliveau himself actually called calls him the uh, Carnegie, the best player he's ever played with, um, which was something that we had quoted inside the Hall of Fame at that time, too. Um, and if anybody knows anything about, you know, the guys that Jean Beliveau played with, if he says you're the greatest player that he's ever played with, that is some high standard. So it's something that uh, I'm kind of looking forward to diving into uh, the life of Mr. Carnegie when I uh, get the chance here shortly. So the book that I've been reading is Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. It's a bit of a thriller, a bit of an entertainment comedy as well. And each chapter is from the view of someone either attending or working at a new health resort in Australia. But not everything is as it seems, and I will leave it as that. Well, Ben, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, we really we really look forward to the new season, and we look forward to seeing you on the pitch. And hopefully it'll be uh, you carrying a heavy shield at the end of the season and, you know, and then wearing another red jersey and having a, a good summer. So thank you again for coming on the show. Yeah, no, I mean, appreciate your guys' uh, time as well and, and the interest you've taken in, in both Canadian rugby and, and Arrows rugby. I think it's important that uh, – it's shared and kind of talked about on as many platforms as possible. And you did guys are certainly doing a great job of, of doing some deep dive into getting to know the players. And I mean, Derek with the statistics and stuff, I think that's uh, it's great to see. And I think as, as players, I mean, the more exposure and then the more it's talked about, uh, it's always exciting. So definitely looking forward to seeing who else you, you get on the pod over the, the rest of the year. Excited that uh, I was, I was number one in 2021. Big <laughs> honor And uh and yeah, appreciate appreciate your guys' time as well. There was uh, there was no other. Well, it, we we told Brock it's like it's gonna, yeah. we can't record a podcast until we can get Ben Lesage on. So um, we're we're happy that it worked out within the uh, the first couple months of the year here. Brilliant. Mostly just because I wanted to talk about my book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you guys want to listen to more of our episodes, uh, you can find them all linked to our social accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They're all there. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, give us a rating, five stars, whatever it is. Give us a thumbs up. We really appreciate all the support. And we look forward to, to a, a year of lots of rugby. Mm-hmm.